Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is TV worth talking about. I'm Catherine, by the way. I'm 47. I'm divorced. I live with my sister, who's a recovering heroin addict. I have two grown-up children, one dead, one who doesn't speak to me, and a grandson. Shrine Podcasts presents Happy Valley. That boy is a prince. You stopping can do ya. Who's going to look after those two little girls now? There's a grandmother. Just a selection of the heart-shattering lines spoken on Sunday night's last ever episode of Sally Wainwright's Happy Valley. We had tears, we had arrests, we had retirement parties, we had a man on fire, we had the showdown of all showdowns and Catherine Kaywood finally came face to face with Tommy Lee Royce. Hello. Hiya. And we had quite the week ourselves, which culminated in Brendan running into a Happy Valley cast member at Gatwick Airport. More of that in a moment. This week, the woman who was proudly declared, who proudly declared to the nation her love for crisps, our very own. Rebecca Shackleton will have your thoughts and theories. Brendan has the monumental task of delivering the recap of First Pets. We have much to discuss. Oh, we sure do, guys. What a week we've had. Yes, we do. My God, the glamour, the excitement. I feel like our our feet are just about touching the ground now. Where do we start? Well, we start with the fact, yeah. I guess, that we were, we were asked to go uh, on BBC Breakfast. So we got an email a couple of weeks ago to be like, hi guys, you were on for line of duty. Um, obviously at the time you could only be over Zoom. We would love to have all three of you together uh, come over to Salford and come into studio and be on BBC Breakfast uh, for the weekend of the final episode before it goes out. Uh, will you come over, all three of you together? We said we think about we were like, obviously <laughs> we will. That sounds like the most amount of fun we ever. We were so giddy, guys. We were so fun. giddy about the whole thing. It was so much fun. There's something about going to an airport on a Friday of a bank holiday. It's a new bank holiday in Ireland. So myself and Brendan were giddy, right? Now, we obviously all were a little bit nervous because it's millions of people. Like doing a podcast in your sitting room is very different to sitting on the red couch on BBC One. But we all, the second we got in there, they were all so lovely and we all just relaxed straight away. We went on BBC Manchester before and then we sat down and we had a chat about one of our favourite TV series. Like, we were thrilled. 
Guys, it was the absolute yeah, it was crack. So much fun having the three of us together. Like, yeah, it was really, really good crack. And yeah, be going on BBC Radio Manchester just before with the full face of makeup at like eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. Like the, the utter glamour of it. So there was a train. I was coming from London, which is where I am for a couple of weeks. And there was a train strike in London. So uh, we looked at all of the options to get to Manchester from London. And one of the options, no direct flights, which I mean, obviously climate change, like it's unacceptable to fly from London to Manchester. I'm not condoning it, but I was like, how am I getting up there? One of the options was to fly. And it was like five hours. I was like, okay, like, let me just see. One stop stops off in Charles de Gaulle. I was like, sorry, I'm not going to Manchester from London via France. So I got a bus <laughs> and the bus was scheduled to take five hours and 50 minutes and the bus took seven and a half hours. So I got to Manchester the same time as Brendan and Rebecca. We checked into the Holiday Inn in Media City. It was one of the most glamorous it places was. I've ever been. Yeah. Car- Coronation Street, a hop, skip and a jump across the square. And then the next morning we woke up around half six and we were so giddy and we went over together and we got our makeup done in leopard print robes. We met a gorgeous woman from the meet and greet team. We saw behind the scenes. I just thought the whole thing was so exciting. Yeah, no, it was so, so much fun. And then just getting like we had a decent enough chat like you know the way sometimes these things could be like shoved them in like for like two minutes before the news comes on you know it was like sometimes like TV can be a bit of a filler but because like the Happy Valley finale was such a big talking point like uh, we were in there for quite a while and it was really nice to talk about Happy Valley as the show but we also got to talk about like doing the podcast quite a lot as well which was like really oh my, it was fun. great Hilarious. and I really liked I really enjoyed seeing what behind the scenes of the TV looks like. I thought it was very cool getting to look into the camera and getting to look into the, um, what's that thing called where they put all the text that the presenters read? The auto cue. The auto cue and the camera people. I loved it all. There was two green rooms. And then we went back on the train. No, guys, got we, we, drunk, we went guys? for brunch afterwards in Media City. We were starving, oh, we right? We hadn't eaten any breakfast. We were like, okay, we need to eat something. So we went to a lovely cafe we recommended. We were too hyper. We got went to a cafe recommended by one of the lovely staff members at the BBC. Got like, you know, halloumi, eggs, all that jazz, like loads of different bits and pieces. All the vegetarian chips. We were chatting away. We were dissecting our own appearance on BBC Breakfast the way we would do an episode of Happy Valley when a lovely man came over and said, were you guys on BBC Breakfast earlier? And we squealed, we squealed. We got hashtag recognised probably because we literally, I mean, were wearing the exact same clothes and it was 10 minutes after we appeared on the show, let's be honest. But and it was we 10 loved it. feet away oh, yeah. from the studio. Yes, it he was. Recognized. He clearly worked <laughs> there. Do you know what I mean? He was like, yeah. clearly just come from work being like I saw you in the weight room earlier, but we just, now we're giddy. He was so lovely. We were very good. So we went then to the train station and we obviously picked up a few necessities for the train back to London, which were jellies, crisps for Rebecca and Prosecco because we were celebrating. So M&S know exactly what they're doing. In an M&S Simply Food in a train station anywhere in the UK, you walk in and right in front of you, it's bottles of Prosecco, cans of gin and tonic and also takeaway cups. Like they just, and everything's in a fridge and everything is good to go. You don't need a corkscrew, nothing. Like they have it 
fine art and then they have the Percy pigs right up the tail and you're like go on so anyway we're on the train and we're having our Prosecco and we're having a laugh still talking about ourselves re-watching ourselves no but like guys we, the people on the train God love them were horrified at us people were putting their headphones in earphones all of it the second we were walking one woman did yeah. leave the carriage. <laughs> she got up and left and it was so soon. And I was like, she we have a two and a half hour journey. Honestly, in about five minutes, she got up and left because we didn't all get a seat beside each other at the beginning. So we were screaming up and down the aisle. And that woman said, I'd actually rather stand <laughs> all the way to London <laughs> oh, than have God. to listen to this yep. shite. Getting, trying to find three seats together on that train was infinitely more stressful than having been on live TV a couple of hours earlier. Like way more stressful. Seriously, it was absolutely crazy. But there was a point where we'd had two bottles of Prosecco, one Prosecco Rosé, and we all got a bit giddy. And we were probably a little bit drunk. And we were cutting up clips to put in our social. And Brendan, I honestly actually cried for about 10 minutes laughing because Brendan was putting up an Instagram story, but he was using <laughs> the theme song <laughs> for BBC News, which is an absolute anthem Boop. but like I don't know if you've ever put up a reel on Instagram like the, the little 30 second clip of the music or the 15 second clip keeps repeating as you're writing out your text and I'm like no guys we've already been recognized we're in the same outfits we're screaming about ourselves <laughs> and like that we've just done BBC breakfast and now we're playing over and over again the BBC news team and I was like this is absolutely unacceptably obnoxious I couldn't have laughed and I was like Brendan turn it <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. Like, and we were only thrilled because uh, we got we got recognized once or twice on the train as well. But like, the only reason that happened is because we were like screaming and also playing the BBC News theme. <laughs> we uh, told like, people like, they did We were like, we were yeah. on BBC Breakfast early. Like, we were telling the whole carriage. Like, we were. We told them, and I we also told they hadn't. My brain just kept repeating, "You." Get me <laughs> telephone like for an hour and a half in a row. I just I mentally can't. had a breakdown. I couldn't stop saying. I can't stop saying it. I couldn't stop saying it. Anytime anyone says Wi-Fi, I just keep thinking of Brendan saying Wi-Fi. Wow. Oh it's ridiculous okay <laughs> so then like we all went to london i was going straight to a hen which sounds really glamorous but actually you know in theory it sounds glamorous but the reality was i mean i was like a bold child the two of you were trying to mind me you're trying to point in the right direction where i needed to go at one stage you were offering me the other half of your sandwich and you were just being nice you were just offering me the other half of your sandwich but I was like a little bit pissed and I was like paranoid being like oh, she's trying to sober me up she thinks I'm drunk why do I need I the other half like, of this cheese Brendan is coming back with me I was like Pet you need to eat the other half of that sandwich you're going off on your own I also just didn't want to waste the food so I thought he wanted the other half of the sandwich oh no, my I god know. hilarious anyway we had an absolute ball and um, we had a great weekend in London and then Brendan you were on the way home yesterday towards the airport when something very strange yes. happened to you yeah I can't get over this so actually. I I had a lovely morning on my own just kind of soaking up what we'd done at the weekend I was like just strolling around Finally like kind of London Bridge company. Tower Bridge area Finally free for me. <laughs> he was like, it was a, it was a gorgeous morning. I was like, oh, was that as soon as you left my house? Uh, so I was floating around by myself. And then I got on the train from uh, London Bridge to Gatwick. And th they were every 10 minutes. And I was kind of looking. So I could have got, you know, any, any train with a 10 minute distance and I was on the platform and I kind of shimmied up I was like oh I might get on here and then I shimmied and I was like no I'll get on down here so I could have been on any train and I could have been on any carriage got on it's fairly quick to go to Gatwick 
stood up because the train was like, you are now arriving at Gatwick Airport. So grabbed my bag, stood up, and I was like standing, like facing out the doors, looking at the platform as the train was pulling up. The train like just slows down, slows down, slows down. And standing, when the train comes to a still, to a stop, standing on the platform, face to face, like nose to nose with me, with just the glass doors separating us, is the actor who plays Daniel no, Cable. No, this sounds like no, something out of no, a rom-com I, slash Sliding Doors with that, Paltrow. Do you know that movie, Sliding Doors? It's that. I, sliding Doors. Like, yeah. It, it sounds unbelievable, right? So he's standing on the platform. I'm on the train. I'm looking, being like, is that is that him? And like, it was like, it was 100% him. And so then in my head, I'm like, okay, these doors are going to open. Obviously, this is all happening at the speed of light. I'm like, these doors are going to open. I'm going to say, oh my God, well done on last night. And then my brain went, oh, he wasn't oh, on could, it last night. And then my brain you went. You could see him before the went, doors okay, so, opened. You kind of copped. Oh my God. Yeah, there was like seconds before the doors oh opened. Oh my God. And he was like, he like looked at me, but then looked away. And I think my reading of it was that he was obviously very conscious that the biggest TV show of the year played out last night and he was in it, although not in that particular episode. And I think he was just aware that people were looking at him. So then the doors open and they reveal that he was, I think, because it happened so fast, he was. there was a woman beside him and I'm fairly certain she was holding a clothes horse. <laughs> I, I think he was holding a clothes horse and she was holding a clothes horse. And there was also a bag involved. So they were getting on a Gatwick heading more south, like the train was going to Brighton. So I don't know. Anyway, I decided in the like 0.5 seconds that I had to make a decision that I didn't know the appropriate thing to say. So I didn't say anything. Imagine if you just launched into Catherine's speech from... Season one episode when yeah, you went did, viral I, over course, during the week. I, my brain went to like seven different options. Like, okay, you can say this, this, the this, or this. Passed. And then I just didn't the say anything. The door slided away. And life train door opened and you went into that mask. I feel train. like if he had been in that episode, I would have gone, oh my God, well done on last night. Probably also like a complete crazy person. But um, I just didn't know what to say. So I said nothing Imagine at all. Imagine the train like door opened and you just fed into that man's face. I'm oh. Catherine, by the way. <laughs> I'm 47. Friends, I'm I don't divorced. know how you weren't just <laughs> like, yeah. I Daniel um, okay, Wood. <laughs> Literally Daniel okay, I know, Wood. it's so weird. And then also, I'm really sorry, I don't know the actor's name, so I didn't know his own name. To I wouldn't have said it anyway. I get really embarrassed in situations. Anyway, like you were meant to meet met. that man. Do you think maybe he recognised you Daniel in that Kay moment Wood. of BBC I'm, Breakfast? I'm, <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah. Of all of all the trains I could have got, of all the carriages I could have been on, and then there was like an option for two different doors, and I nearly went right, and then at the last second I was like, oh no, I'll, I'll just go this way. It's closer to like the Is end. His name Carl Davies. Just, what are the Carl chances? Davies, please. No, I think Kaywood. you are correct. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah, get yeah, right, right, yeah, 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 Daniel Kaywood, Carl Davies. No, no. Yeah, well, Carl, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, we'd so, love yeah. to chat to you and wondering where you were going on Monday morning when you were carrying a clothes horse Toward, towards the Brighton like area and did you have a clothes horse? questioning the man for a crime. <laughs> We'd love to talk to him about his role in Happy Valley. He did a brilliant, he did a brilliant performance throughout the three yeah. series, but particularly in the car oh, with yeah. Ryan in episode five. Episode five and, and in, in the kitchen the crying. Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. In the kitchen crying. Phenomenal crying. Guys. So yeah, that was, uh, that was our, our wild weekend. It was so much That was so our wild fun. weekend. And I had to come back to Dublin for something today. So I literally said goodbye to Brendan yesterday. Off he went to have the best morning he's ever had without me. And then I'm now back in his house. <laughs> he's like, I had the best <laughs> morning ever. You're literally, do you know what? 
<laughs> you know what's going on here? You are like, you're like Tommy Lee Royce. You're right below my feet. I'm Catherine asleep upstairs and you're beneath well, me. Well, we did try and record in the same room and then we realised me with a music technology degree and you, 14 years broadcasting experience at microphones don't work that way. So I had to come downstairs. I'm on the couch beside the cake that we left. But yeah, I am back in your um, house. You can't escape me. I am your Tommy Lee Royce. <laughs> so are you eating cake? What cake did you get? Yeah, Hannah brought I went cake. to Casey Peaches. I don't think they have those in London. Every time I pass when I have to go in and get the baked. Now, baked cheesecake is my favorite dessert in the world. If anyone ever feels like sending me dessert, but it's the baked cheesecake brownie in KC Peaches. Oh. I had to get it. It's about 19 euro. Every time I pass, had to get one. Oh, treat yourself. Yes. You, this is it. And I, under the guise of me bringing uh, food to Brendan's house, I literally just brought it so I could eat it. So, guys, that was our week. If you missed us, if you missed our BBC One in-studio debut, there's now a reel up on our Instagram. You can watch it. And I think it's now finally time, guys. We've danced around it enough. It is time to talk about the final ever episode of Happy Valley. This is the first show on this podcast that has had a definitive ending. It's the first show we've had to properly say goodbye to that we know we'll never podcast about again. So there is going to be a somber tone because we are going to miss Catherine and the K Woods so much. And it's Brendan on the recap this week. So emotionally, take it away, bitch. Okay, so the final ever episode of Happy Valley opens with Catherine waking up on Alison's sofa. She reaches for her telephone to turn off her alarm, uh, but her hand reaches a little packet of blue pills. Alison says they belong to her dippy half-baked probation officer who doesn't get them on prescription. Catherine asks Alison to find out who the illegal supplier is, but Alison says she can't risk going back to prison. She's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm flushing them. Uh, Catherine knocked on Alison's door. It was 3 a.m. for somewhere safe to stay while Tommy Lee Royce roams the streets. It's her second last day in work before retirement. She's shattered. She's had no sleep. Catherine is very tired. Ding dong. It's wedding day and the boyos are all dolled up, flat out, lashing brill cream into their hair, surrounded by the bags of cash that they have dug back up from... Um, uh, that they've dug back up from the allotments. Boom. The door is kicked in by police and they are arrested for false imprisonment, money laundering and helping Tommy to escape custody. Uh, at one point, uh, your man turns around to the police and he's like, I'm getting married in two hours. My girlfriend's going to go mad. Uh, Catherine calls to Nevs to take Ryan to give a statement to police trying to trace Tommy. Uh, it's another chat at the front doorstep scene, which I love. And yet another where food takes priority for Ryan. He's like, can I get my breakfast? And she's like, if you're quick. So they head into the kitchen where Neil, Claire and Nev are sat at the table. Now, Nev is doing his best Nigella here, offering to whip up a selection of items off a menu that wouldn't be out of place in a half-decent hotel, if I'm honest. Uh, Catherine changes her mind, though. She's like not stopping and tells Ryan that he can grab a bacon butty in the canteen instead. Down at the police station, Catherine and Ryan bump into Andy Shepard on the stairs. And Andy asks Ryan if he likes Rob Hepworth. Obviously, they're due to question him about Joanna's death. So it is here that our suspicions about Rob are confirmed in a flashback of their gym chat from earlier in the series where Rob confided in Ryan about his marriage being a bit of a sham. Uh, we see Rob checking out Ryan's arse as he's walking out. And we also see Ryan catch Rob out doing this. Although Ryan does feel creeped out, he doesn't say anything, but you can see that he, he realises what's going right, on. We called it. This is the first, the we, first we called we it of the episode. We called it. Yeah. I, 
I think this is the the going to be the most amounts of we called it ever because we don't often call it properly at all. But I, I think in this case, I, it was I feel so like we, disturbing we might have done. to actually um, see it. Though I know we suspected it, and I think it was you who said it first. Like it was very disturbing to actually see it, though. Do you know what I mean? Hannah's thrilled. No fair play to you because it was alluded to, but we weren't quite sure for for definite. But it was, yeah, it was. It's vile to watch. It's the first one I've ever got right. It's the first time I can ever say we, you know, I called it. I'm absolutely delighted. I'm obviously not delighted about the scenario, and yes, it it made me feel sick. It was just horrible, wasn't it? Uh, it is, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, up next, Tommy is in bed at his safe house on his telephone when there's a knock at the front door. It's Darius's brother and another lad. Now, according to Darius, Tommy is no longer safe there, and they have very kindly come to drive him somewhere else. Now, for his own safety, they offer to let Tommy travel in style by popping him in the boot. But just like Gemma Collins, Tommy says, "I'm claustrophobic." I'm claustrophobic. Um, he's Darius. thinking here, and he says, <laughs> "Yeah, I just wish it had been Darius." Yeah. Um, Tommy is quick thinking here and says I don't need to be in boot and at first he says he'll sit in the back but when he clocks a can of petrol on the floor he buys some time by popping back into the house to fetch his non-existent inhaler um, it's back inside the kitchen that he explains to the the old lad who was Her caught in the beetroot uh, he's like I forgot my stuff telephone and he says telephone for the second <laughs> guys, time I squealed now, guys, I either, either James Norton has some sort of a speech impediment and we should be very sorry for slagging him off about no. this or it's a deliberate it's thing it's a deliberate thing that he's doing to make Tommy come across an idiot because he does it later on in the Catherine showdown when he says ambulance he does yeah he does, he does. Yeah, 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 I think it's yeah. to allude to the fact um, that he's it's like he's like a boy yeah, he's a little he's boy developed. guys yeah. when he said when he told her boy that he was back because he forgot his phone I actually cried laughing it was <laughs> what it was yeah. so funny uh, so Tommy takes his uh, little beetroot knife and heads back to the car the lads tried to put him in the front where I'm assuming one of them was going to probably strangle him from behind but there's no flies on our Tommy and he forces poor old Jim Core to swap seats by telling him to shift you ugly piece of shit um at the police station, Ryan tells officers that he last saw Tommy in court yesterday and that he did contact him while playing games on his Britney mic. So the police ask where his games console is now. They want to go and search that to see if they can trace Guys, where Tommy is. I can't believe it was only yesterday. No, like, so I'm... much has happened in the space of a couple of yeah. days. I, I actually was like, oh my God, yesterday. Jesus, they've been flat out. Same. Yeah, flat out. Um, in a wooden panelled room now, very reminiscent of Andrea Wise's office in Line of Duty, Catherine isn't impressed when a snooty woman behind a desk tells her that the chief constable will be another half an hour. Now, Catherine gets up and leaves. She's like, there's no time to be waiting for this fella to go, to go thanks for your service, thanks very much. She says, I'm off. I've stuff to be doing. Um, back in the car, Tommy, Darius's brother and his sidekick and Jim Corr are cruising along now, potentially about to burst into a carpool karaoke style rendition of Runaway. Um, when Tommy takes out his little beetroot <laughs> knife, stabs his backseat passenger in the gut and chokes poor old Jim Corr with his own seatbelt. Now, the car careers into an open field. Darius's brother rolls out, like stops, drops and rolls out the front door <laughs> of the moving car. But he reappears atop a hill in a very menacing oh, yeah. fashion. That was, that was brilliant. It's like, it's like the movie. Who, who's Mike Myers? Oh, I, the right name on that? The spy who shagged me. Yeah, he just stood. No, just, Mike Myers. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, that's Michael Myers. That's Michael Myers. Mike Myers is Shrek. Oh, Michael Myers. Sorry. Is this my... Anyway, I mean the terrifying <laughs> yeah, that's one. Michael Myers. The, yeah. 
He just stood at the top of the hill. Very menacing. I'm like, that's I fine. Wanted, I mean, I'm actually thinking of Austin Powers. Oh, behave. That would be equally as alarming. If oh, my God. And then I quote, Shrek, another wrong movie. Oh, Jesus. Okay, the wheels are coming off. Um, Jim and the backseat passenger, they're both dead at this point. And now Tommy and Darius's brother are swinging little peeling knives at each other. It's like, you know the way, like, your mom has, like, a knife in the kitchen drawer that she just uses to peel veg? Like, it's quite stumpy. Like, they both are basically, like, waving these around at each other. Do you think Sally? But, like, blood is flying. Like, they, they're, they're, they're having a good stab at each other. Uh, but these boots are not made for walking because Tommy appears to break his ankle while, like, stumbling backwards. And then Darius's brother also, like, crushes his hand by standing on it. Um, just as it looks like Tommy is gasping for his last ever breath, his hand miraculously finds a stone in the grass. And in a scene reminiscent of when Catherine had to finish off that sheep, he uses it to bash Darius's brother's skull in, clocking up an impressive body count of three in just as many minutes. Jesus, he's um, like a ninja, now here, isn't he? Tommy is, yeah. And he really like got enjoyment out of finishing him off as well. Like when your man was dead, he just went again. Do you think Sally Wainwright um, wrote that they had tiny little knives into the script to humiliate them? Because I felt the one of the themes of this episode was that stupid evil little men are idiots. Yeah, yeah, fair point, yeah. Yeah, she probably did. Um, so here, Tommy is like laying on the grass. He is a wounded animal. He's got stab wounds, a broken foot, broken hand. And he starts to hear Ryan's voice in his head. And he's basically replaying a bit of the chat that they had over the games console only the evening before. Catherine is at Becky's grave, uh, telling her, talking talking to Becky, she's like, look, I've done my best, but I'm tired. And then here we see the ghost of Becky take Catherine's hand from behind. And the whole thing is, you know, from Alison's, from being at the grave, Catherine is very tired. This is a very clear message. She is wrecked. Um, Catherine gets home. She sits in an armchair under the front window and starts looking through photo albums with all photos of Ryan, Claire and Becky. She's having a little cry when she gets as far as a blank page. The rest is still unwritten. As she's mentioned, Catherine is very tired. I I literally said the same thing to Jim on Sunday night because we watched it together. I was like... Yeah, because I said the same thing on Sunday. (laughs) There's me. Um, Catherine is very tired. She falls asleep in that chair under the front window. Police burst into the house where Tommy had been staying, but he's gone, leaving just that old man in the kitchen who appears to be still peeling yeah. vegetables. I mean, he's, he's making beetroot with goat's cheese. Who is he feeding? I'd say for later for Darius. Is he caramelizing some onions? Um, next, we see Tommy in the runaway car. He's wiping blood off his face, popping his moaning myrtle glasses on for a oh, good God. disguise. And I loved that. I thought to, to season to season uh, one, the end of season one, the war and peace one. It looked exactly like the War and yeah, Peace outfit again. And he was, he was injured. Wasn't he stabbed during the War and yeah. Peace look back in season He was stabbed as well. as well. I loved all of the, 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 the kind of similarities between season one and season the three. images. Yeah, yeah, the full circle moment. I loved, I loved them. them so much. Yeah. And the oh, petrol guys. Yes. And she, there was yeah. loads of those like mirrored images in, but it didn't feel like too much or gimmicky. It was just... Really, really good. Can I also make one point that may be incredibly obvious to everyone, but I only picked up on my second watch. The reason that Tommy goes to Catherine and Ryan's house is because when he is in the field and he's hearing Ryan's voice, and when I first saw it, I was like, oh, he's just remembering his last conversation with his son because he's dying. When he hears Ryan say, he asks him, are you home? And Ryan says, no, I'm not allowed anywhere near the home. So he then knows that that house yeah. is empty. So that's a safe place for him to go, which is why he goes there. I thought he was going to try and like 
killed him or something. But no, he goes there thinking that there will be no one home. Yeah. But do you think that he was always bringing the petrol just for himself? Because he brings that with him. No, definitely not. No, he, he saw that. And this is what I'm going to say next. It's like what I described as a yeah. weapon of opportunity. He was about to close the boot. He looked down and he saw it. And as a last minute thought, yeah. he just brought it with him. I, and it was definitely just like just in the moment. He's like, oh, there's a kind of I'm going to bring that. Probably not thinking through what he what he, yeah, exactly. Just what he would have to I do need with it. it. Yeah. Um, uh, Catherine at this stage is in a deep sleep in that armchair under the window when we see Tommy in top disguise peer in the window above her head. Now he can't see that she is there. He uses a stone from the garden to break the window into the basement, which is right beneath Catherine. But she's so tired, even the shattering of the glass doesn't wake her. Neither of them know it, but a weak and wounded Tommy is now inches below Catherine's feet. And just as we think Catherine is going to do a Sia and end up in flames, Ryan unknowingly saves his granny's life by calling her mobile to ask if she's oh coming God, to pick guys, him up. Oh my God, guys, that whole scene Tommy was Royce, unbelievable, though. That shot of Tommy looking in with her asleep, like I, I genuinely squealed. I was like, oh my good God, it was amazing. So uh, yeah. Ryan is ringing her there from the, because we're going to get onto this a little bit later, but Anne Gallagher doesn't appear in this episode, which I think no. when I finished my first watch, I found it pretty unexpected. But when I watched it again, it all made sense. And I read a couple of people say it on Twitter that Anne, Anne's speech to Ryan in the previous episode was the reason that he went to the police office to give up his dad, was the reason that he ran Catherine to collect him in that moment was the reason that Catherine got out of the house and wasn't killed by Tommy. So she is involved and she did set a domino effect that resulted in Tommy's attempted arrest and then death. Yeah. Um, so um, as Tommy sneaks up the basement stairs, Catherine grabs her keys. And as the uh, cat closes the front door, the rat bursts open the kitchen door in like perfect unison. The front door slams, the kitchen door bursts open. And as anyone with a keen interest in interiors would, Tommy has a good old nose around Catherine's house, inspecting each room, including Ryan's bedroom with all his lovely things and all of his football medals and other achievements as well. At a briefing, police are hearing details of Joanna's death. The uh, post-mortem revealed, I have PM, I was like, the Prime Minister? I was like, I don't remember that bit in the story. Uh, the post-mortem revealed uh, historic bone fractures, which suggest Rob was beating Joanna for years. Uh, he is brought in and questioned. Interviewing officers say that Mrs. Oates, the other school teacher, told them that her and Rob have been having their morning oats for the last 15 months. Uh, Mrs. Oates also told them that Rob had told her that his life would be so much simpler if Joanna didn't exist. They then show him a photo of one of his kitchen chairs with his fingerprint in Joanna's fresh blood on it. His response? She'd try the patience of a saint and I'm not a violent person normally. Outside the chemist, Faisal's pharmacy assistant is reading aloud the details of the arrests of the two boyos. She's in awful shock. Jesus H. Christ, she says as she strolls off. Faisal here looks like he feels like he may have gotten away with it. Um, Ryan and Catherine are in her office at the station. And Ryan tells her that he told Tommy he did not want to go to Marbella and he says, I never would. Here, Ryan also tells Catherine the reason he said, I love you, Granny, is because Anne Gallagher had finally told him the truth all about Tommy, all about his mom and all about his, I guess, early days when he was just newly born and how nobody other than Catherine wanted him. 
Uh, Ryan also says here that Claire is really upset that they're not talking and he's like you can't fall out over me and he reminds Catherine that Claire has always 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 been there for both him and both her uh, back in Catherine's house Tommy is rolling around the floor in agony when he spots the photo albums and has a little weep as he looks at pictures of Ryan and Becky and in one of my favorite scenes of Happy Valley's final episode, Catherine calls up to visit Claire in Neb. Can I just quickly now, go back to uh, Tommy yeah. looking at the albums. I really liked how he sat in the same chair looking at the same albums that Catherine sat in. And it was just putting them in each other's life. I just really liked that moment and that symbolism and the fact that the final showdown was going to be in Catherine's house. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Um. So... Uh, yeah, this is this is one of my favorite scenes in in the final episode. Catherine calls up to visit Claire. Uh, Claire is in Nev. She's cooking a meal to basically thank Nevison for letting them stay there and keeping them safe. And Catherine tells Claire that she's realized something today. She's like, I shouldn't have been so frightened of Ryan meeting Tommy, and uh, she's like, I, I should have had more faith in him uh, not to be taken by Tommy. And she was like, I was just frightened that he'd be like him. Um, and then through like hot sobbing tears, uh, Catherine tells Claire that Ryan is just a happy, well-adjusted pretty flipping normal kid and like it's just such a nice line like just so so nice um Catherine then admits that uh Ryan probably just needed to go and have a look at Tommy just so he'd know for himself that he wasn't like him which is exactly what Ryan did say to Daniel in the car in the last episode and then in one of the most like gorgeously heartwarming lines of the entire show Claire simply says to Catherine are you stopping to which Catherine replies can do yeah and in those six words, the two sisters are friends. Oh again. my God, thank God. God. Uh, it is now. I started getting really line. worried there, though, that something was going to happen to Claire after they'd made up in that moment. I was like, oh yeah. my God, is she going to go back to the house and be there when Tommy's there or something? Because at this point, we didn't know that Tommy was. The tension. Yeah, it was just, yeah. it was such a good episode. Like, my God. Yeah. On my first watch, I don't think I was too stressed about Claire. There was lots of scenes of Catherine, like, that just felt like it could be very final. And it was obviously very deliberately written that way, like at the gravestone and just things she said kept, whatever she said just felt like it could be final. And I, I was nervous for her, but I wasn't, I wasn't really, I didn't have a, yeah, I wasn't too stressed about, um, Claire to go back her. to Tom um, there in the house just quickly before we get into the final showdown. I loved the way you're slowly realizing as he looks around Ryan's room and as he looks at the album, I'm like, I honestly have my hand over my mouth for like 15 minutes. I was like, oh my God, is he about to forget? Like, is he looking at this and going, Catherine gave my son the life I, I could never? Like, it was slowly just mm -hmm. starting to build. And I was like, Jesus, I've no idea how this is going to end because he's going to want to apologize to her and maybe she'll kill him. I just couldn't. I just thought that was amazing. It's now quarter past nine on the morning of Catherine's retirement day and she's driving to Hebden, lovely train station, uh, to buy cake for the whole office. Uh, Joyce is radioing her, uh, not so subtly checking in to make sure that Catherine will be back in the office for a little send off. Catherine points out that it's 9.15 in the morning and uh, she says, I am driving to Hebden because no one does cake better than Maybury's. Okay, are we all ready? This is the face-off we have all been waiting years to see play out. Catherine pulls up outside her house. I assume she's been to Maybury's and got the cake. And uh, being the excellent cop that she is, instantly notices the basement window has been smashed in. Now, it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to deduce what has happened, but instead she of not locking go back herself to the house? in her squad room... She's on the phone to somebody called Winnie. And I think Winnie might be a neighbor. And I think someone has rang her to be like, you're 
um, window was smashed in. Oh, was that what happened? Yes. Reb, Winnie, you're on mute. Yes. Yes. Winnie is her older neighbour who was in season two, who lives right across from Catherine, I think the back of Catherine's house. Oh my God, Winnie, who took in the... Who took the yes. woman in. The, Winnie who is the reason the why Catherine, I think, no. Winnie kind of, oh. Winnie helps her. That's okay. why she goes back to the house because Winnie's like, there's something wrong with the window. Well done, I couldn't remember who Winnie was. Yeah, I didn't know because I did hear that in the car, but I didn't know what was going on there. Okay, that's great. So she doesn't go and get the cake. She goes home because Winnie's phoned her. Um, it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to deduce what has happened, but instead of locking herself in her squad car and radioing for backup, Catherine thinks, fuck this, I want this showdown and goes inside. Um, at the kitchen table, Tommy is washing heaps of pills down with a bottle of whiskey that quite frankly looks like it would give you severe heartburn, like no amount of a meprazole is going to sort you out there, pet. Um, standing in the hall, Catherine simply calls out, hello, to which Tommy goes, aye. Oh, yeah. Taser in hand, Catherine takes a few careful steps forward until she's standing in the kitchen doorway where she can see Tommy. She tells him a couple of times that you look like you need an ambulance. I'm going to get you an ambulance. And she orders him to push the knife that's sitting on the kitchen table away from him and towards her. She throws it into the hallway behind her. Can I say something about this knife, Um, guys, please, for a second, because I'm very proud of myself picking this up, but I could be looking too far into it. So she's like, push that knife over to me. So he has the knife end, the sharp metal end, pointing towards Catherine as he pushes it to her, which is like representative of him hating Catherine and wanting to kill Catherine for so long. And then at the very end, he twists it around uh, as if to shove the handle towards her to make it easier for her to pick up without hurting herself and points the knife towards himself, which I feel represents the fact that he's like, I was wrong. And now I... Oh, wow. I, 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 You've gone in on that. But yeah. I honestly think because they, they do it really slowly and they show it and then he just turns it around. And I think already at that point, well, we know he decided to kill himself because he'd already swallowed all the pills. But I think at that point he was like, no, the knife should be pointing towards me. I'm chuffed <laughs> with that. Um. So, where am I? Um. Yeah. So he does say to her here, he's like, "Look, I'm not going to hurt you." Um. Catherine asks Tommy, "Uh, what he's doing with the photo album?" She's kind of in the middle of arresting him and saying, "You know, you're under arrest for escaping custody and blah 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 blah." And then she clocks the photo album. She's like, "What are you doing with those?" And he's like, "I'm just looking at Becky and Ryan." And he's like, "You know, they were laying out almost like they were waiting for me." Catherine at this point discreetly fires an alert from her walkie-talkie, which alerts the police station to an emergency code zero situation. It gives her location, fires it all off. He's none the wiser. And we see a shot in the police station of the entire team running to Catherine's rescue. Uh, Tommy lists off his uh, recently acquired ailments, but he's like, it doesn't matter. And uh, he then tells Catherine that Darius Knezovich murdered Gary Gogowski. And he repeats this over and over and over. He's like, you need to remember this. You need to tell everyone this, that uh, Darius Knezovich murdered Gary Gogowski. I was covering for him, but he's let down his side of the bargain. Um, When Catherine says, you can tell them yourself, love, Tommy replies, I'm dead, meet me. And then he goes, love in return. Uh, now, I can't do the next few minutes of this back and forth between the two justice. And if you've only watched it once, like go back and rewatch it because it is really tense. It's really heartbreaking. And it's also really funny at times. Like there's lots of humor like sprinkled in here, like really, really well done. 
So the general gist is that Tommy is raging that Catherine didn't tell him that Ryan was born. And there are several, for fuck's sakes, in this uh, from Catherine. She's like, you are so fucking deluded. Um, And Tommy's just like, you've got me all wrong, you old bitch. And Catherine lists off like just some of the people that Tommy has kicked the shit out of. And he's like, you kicked the shit out of me on that barge. And she's like, yeah, in the line of fucking duty, not because I'm a brain dead psychopath who thinks it's an afternoon's amusement. And then he's like just struggling to like come up with a response to that and he's just like you're just not very I couldn't have bright that. saying that like he just can't <laughs> articulate what I, he, I he wants like to say so um, yeah he's a bold child you're just not very absolute man right <laughs> Yeah, it's like the it's the best thing he could come back at her with. So then she says, you're just a deluded, nasty little toddler's brain in a big man's body. And she was like, I've basically like freaked out for so long about like Ryan that he might be like you. But she's like, that boy is a prince. He that is as unlike so you as it is possible to be. And you are not a dad. The line um, delivery of Tommy that says, the prince was like, I'm actually go- yeah. never going to stop crying. Oh my God, I thought it was so powerful. I just... It's incredible. Yeah, so well written, so well delivered. Uh, Tommy says, uh, (laughs) he's like, the next time you're thinking all this nasty bollocks about me and the way he delivers that was excellent as well. He's like, I had an option last night. He's like, I could have burned your house down. Uh, He's like, but I chose not to because I realized what a nice life you've given Ryan. He's like, I hated you, but I don't hate you anymore. I forgive you and I'm sorry. To which Catherine says, you forgive me, you delinquent fuck. Um, Tommy then goes in to talk about Becky and he's like, I absolutely loved Becky. And Catherine's like, no, you didn't. Like what you think is love is not love. She's like, you tried to chop her tits off and you also made the same threat to Anne Gallagher. To which Tommy's just like, oh, I didn't mean that. And it kind of sounds like he 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 did say it without thinking how obviously traumatizing, upsetting that that, that threat would be to anyone. Um, there's more. They just hear them. They just go in to be like, fuck off. No, you fuck off. No, you fuck off. And it's just back and forward for a couple of minutes. Um, he's like Becky made me feel normal uh, and she's like fuck off you moron he's like fuck off you bitch and then with that Tommy douses himself in petrol from the can that he's got at his feet but he tells Catherine that he doesn't want her to taser him because he's like you might get done and believe it or not I don't want you to get done I want you to be here with Ryan so I'll do it myself now here Tommy's like I'm not going back to prison I've no other option I just have to die and uh, he reminds Catherine one more time that Darius Knezovic killed Gary Gagofsky. And in response to that, Catherine says, I'll never forget Gary Gagofsky. I nicked him once and he bit me. And the delivery is just excellent. Like the repetition from earlier on in this season is and just at the at the time, like it's such a tense moment. She's about to witness this guy who she's had this back and forth with for years, like kill, kill himself. And just the delivery of the line is just, it's 10 out of 10. Uh, with that, Tommy Lee Royce uh, sat at Catherine Kaywood's kitchen table, full of booze, pills, and apparently forgiveness, sets himself on fire. The Burning Man falls to the floor. Catherine grabs a blanket and puts out the flames, walks outside, and tells paramedics that he's a mess. Uh, now, this next bit, it's so random, but like it just made me smile. A paramedic passing Catherine asks her if she's okay, but just the way she asked her, I don't know. It just brought me joy. I just I had to mention that 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 that, that paramedic. Um, 
as police and paramedics rush into Catherine's house, there's a lovely aerial shot of like the whole street with all the emergency services. Catherine breaks down across the street. She's slumped up against a car and she is sobbing. Claire spots her, runs over to comfort her. Catherine explains what happened. She says, we've had another bit of a tussle. I won, obviously. Um, and then she says to Claire, I think I might have singed one of your crochet blankets. Uh, back at the station, Catherine is packing away the last of her things in her office when Andy Shepard stops by. And uh, here in a few brief lines is where most of the remaining loose ends of Happy Valley are tied up very quickly. Uh, Andy says to Catherine, Royce and Darius Knezovich all in one day. Most people bow out quietly. Um, here we also learn that Rob Hepworth has been charged with having child abuse images on his phone. He was blackmailing, uh, blackmailing one of the kids at school. And um, when Catherine, obviously then the two kids, like Rob has been arrested, uh, Joanna is dead. Catherine asks, who's going to look after those two little girls? And he says, there's a grandmother. And there is just no, a God. look from Catherine that honestly, it just acted I mean, no surprise at this stage, just so, so that well. He says, actually, same. yeah, there's two grandmothers and a granddad as well. Like, it was just such a good line. Such a good line. Um, despite saying she wouldn't, we also learn here uh, that Alison did find out where those dodgy blue pills came from. Uh, so Catherine turns around to Andy and she's like, his name is Faisal Barty and he lives just 100 yards up the road from Joanna and Rob's house. So in the last moments on her last day of 30 years service as a police officer, Catherine K. Wood also solves Joanna Hepworth's murder. Uh, we see Catherine's Land Rover with the roof rack fully packed up pulled up at the graveyard and uh, for the first time that I can recall in all of Happy Valley, she's actually wearing a really bright colour and she's got sunglasses on her head. She looks a little more relaxed. Uh, she's stopping off to say hi and maybe bye to Becky and uh, she's with Becky when she gets a text to say that Tommy Lee Royce is dead. Uh, she kisses the top of the gravestone and uh, just a hint of a smile crosses her face she pops her sunglasses on, walks back to her Land Rover and heads for the Himalayas. And that was the final ever episode. Oh, of Brennan, Happy thank you for well a fabulous done, recap. Gorgeous. It was such an amazing episode. I loved it the first time I watched it, but I loved it even more on the second view. I just, I bawled crying the second time around because the first time I was tweeting and stuff. So I was still, the grandmother line still got me. But second time around, I found it just so, so emotional. It was just incredibly written and acted as well. It was amazing. Reb, I completely agree with you. If anyone doesn't love it or is a little bit... My only thing when I finished watching the the first watch, I was like, God, they wrapped the Faisal and Rob stuff up quickly, is what I thought, right? But when you go back and watch it, I didn't feel like that the second time at all. I was like, Rob gets his time in the prison. I was like, I loved the way Catherine solved the Faisal thing two seconds before she retired and walked out of the Yorkshire police station for the last time. And I also loved that Faisal and Rob and these disgusting men who have done these horrible things to these women just didn't get any more airtime. They just weren't given it. Faisal wasn't even in the last episode and I loved that and I'm with you Rob I cried even more the second time around yeah I uh on I've I, I ended up watching it three times uh, on the first watch I was like where's Anne Gallagher um where Richard. is um Richard and I also felt like there were loose ends but on a rewatch they were all tied up really yeah. quickly really subtly and they waited the, in favor of 
the Catherine Tommy thing, which is what everyone who's watched this has waited for. That was the final showdown. So I think, you know, g- giving that all of the time it needed was the right thing to do, was to weight it in favor of Catherine v. Tommy rather than, I guess, give more screen time to tying up like B storylines from this, this, this series. And I think they were done in a really clever way. Like not all like crimes are solved with like breaking down the door and like pinning them up against the wall. We got to see that with Mattia and Ivan at the start, but I kind of liked how we need to piece together how Faisal was caught and figure out that Darius is going to go down for Gary Gagoski. I kind of liked all of that. It's also um, up to the yeah. new police force to figure out if Faisal is the one that killed Joanna. At the moment, they just know that Faisal is the one who's been selling diazepam. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's yeah. up for the next yeah. generation of of after Catherine to to go forward with that. But the fact that Darius, you know, was caught and robbed for something else, it it was amazing that they has tied it all up. Yes, I would have loved to have seen Anne, but Anne had an a really important role in the finale because Anne's conversation from season five, like you said, Hannah earlier on, is the yeah. reason why Ryan, I think, ultimately had a change of heart or or ultimately made his mind up because he knew the full story and he heard it from a victim. Yes. And like, I think it was very Sally Wainwright and very true to Happy Valley not to tie up everything in a perfect bow. There's so much we can still talk about. Like, will Faisal get caught because of the fingerprint or will they trace the blister pack because of him back to Joanna? And is Ryan going to go into the police force like it was hinted at by Shepard on the stairs and then he turned and smiled at him and we know that he's like his granny and not his dad and what's going to become of Anne and I love that that's left for us to kind of imagine and to think about and for that to stay with us one other thing that I have created in my brain um similar to the knife situation is there's a line when Claire runs down the street towards her house that Tommy has just set himself a light in and there's police everywhere and she is looking for her sister and she's terrified and then she sees Catherine and Catherine tells her sister that, you know, she's got him. They had a bit of a tussle, but I won, obviously. And then she says, I'm sorry, but I singed one of your crochet blankets. And Catherine has been wearing the same scarf in most every episode. And I'm just wondering if Claire crochets blankets, does she also knit scarves? And I'm wondering <laughs> that even when they were fighting, was there a bit of Claire always with Catherine? And that's what I've told to tell myself. Oh, yeah, that's really, I'd say she probably, let's like, well, we'll just say in our own minds that she knitted that scarf for Catherine. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And Sally has given us the opportunity to, to to lie to ourselves like this. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it was all like tied up. All those B storylines were tied up to like, you know, like 90% of the way. So that like, it's fairly definitive what happens, but also open. Like, you know, we can assume that because of the flashback between Rob and Ryan in the gym, uh, obviously finding out that uh, there were indecent images on Rob's phone, we can, you know, it's not a far reach to jump to the conclusion of why Poppy was keeping her jacket on. Although we didn't see that, you know, wrapped yes. up. Like it was all brought just close enough. Yeah. And I think when we interviewed Fergus O'Brien, the director of this episode, and he told us that we'd find the ending not only satisfying, but clever. I think this is what he means by clever because it's not served to us on a plate. There is a little bit left for us to work out, but I think that's excellent because we do get to work it out and then feel very proud of ourselves when we put the last remaining pieces together. Yes, absolutely, guys. Well, we move on to some uh, thoughts and theories now. We've gotten in so many emails and yeah. um, tweets and DMs to at ShrinePod on social, ShrinePod at gmail.com. Thank you so much to everyone who got in touch with us. I adored reading all of these. Um, first up, we have Sarulia who says, um, Fergus O'Brien telling Shrine that people will go away feeling sad that it's over, but satisfied was absolutely 100% accurate. So true. Like Fergus teased the finale so well without giving anything away. Like the man was brilliant with how he told us all about it and none of us saw it coming. I mean, yes, the fire thing technically was a, a, um, was explored and we did say that. I did say Tommy was going to die by his own hand and I'm And like, we did say that Catherine was going to save I, him I, I, and she that. did. She jumped on him and she put him out. Yeah, we she were like, let him not going to kill him. I, we didn't want anything. No, and I don't think she's going to. Yeah. Yeah, she's not going to let him. Well, she attempted not to let him do it himself as well, which, yes. So Louisa Meller, um, Louisa Meller in an article for Den of Geek wrote, Catherine spent 16 years worrying that when it came to her grandson, the apple wouldn't fall far from the tree, never realizing that she is the tree. And Sarah Lancashire Spotlight on Twitter replied oh. to this quote, and they said, how interesting that for as strong as Catherine is in her own belief, instincts and ability, it was perhaps this lack of self-awareness that ultimately brought them all to this place. So human, this once-in-a-lifetime wow. hero, unforgettable. And I was like, wow. And the thoughts and theories this week are just incredible. Um, Jan Robertson wrote, the final scene was epic. I feel utter devastation for Tommy Lee Royce, the boy who had nothing with the son who had everything. Subplot was ended. Oh my God, I was trying to find this tweet. Yes. I so thought that line was so stunning. Wasn't it? Subplot was ended disappointingly. Yeah. Ivan's bride remains a mystery. No poppy. Winnie is still alive. And I hope Catherine got her £2,176.06. And um, Daniela said, the kitchen scene made it all worth it. I felt like it needed 10 more minutes for more final scenes with each character. And in particular, a lot was not shown, but it was still tied up well, like the Faisal situation. I guess we'll never know why Poppy kept her coat on. Overall, though, brilliant. Um, Daisy tweeted us and said, just a fantastic and 
incredible episode. As someone born from rape, I'm so thankful for Sally Wainwright's sensitive writing in relation to the complexities of rape conception and its far-reaching impact. Just brilliant. And um, Kirsty Steed says, the Happy Valley ending was so clever. In a sea of disappointing endings, Line of Duty, Game of Thrones, it delivered perfectly. Did anyone else think that Ryan is going to join the police force? I thought that we'd get a 10 years later with the new Sergeant Kaywood yeah. in town. Um, I saw as well, Reese Connor was um, interviewed <laughs> today by Good Morning Britain and he said that he would definitely be up for doing a spin-off if Sally Wainwright gives him a call in seven years. He'd love to revisit the role as as Ryan. Um, which imagine He blew me away happened. this season. What'd you say? Yeah, he just blew me away. Or he just blew me away this season. I just thought he was incredible. Yeah, he was amazing. Just such a yeah, I think Sally Wainwright's Sally Wainwright's fairly adamant that is not going to happen. I don't think Reese Connor is going to get that call. It's nothing against his ability. She's just like, we've done it. We've done it well. Yeah, finished. yeah, yeah. True. true. I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. True. We can hope and pray. I mean, if the appetite's there, we'll all we'll we'll do a podcast in seven years about it, guys. And um, Chris on Twitter says a masterclass in tell don't show writing. We got everything we needed to know and we knew where everyone ended up. Other shows would have wasted five minutes at the end, showing Faisal and Darius being arrested, Neil making up with Claire, etc. But we know this stuff would have happened, so we didn't need to see it. And um, love it, yeah. Natalie Kennel says, "I've never watched something where the characters are so real and the writer keeps them so true. How can you feel for a monster like Tommy while rooting for Catherine, but also being mad at Catherine for pushing Claire away? I'm really glad that Faisal and the Boyos and Rob got their comeuppance as well." Nikki Doherty says, "And I loved how." Sorry, I'm just really quickly. I loved how they done the final showdown around the kitchen in Catherine's house. And when I was watching it, I was a little bit thinking of like if Tommy hadn't done all the deplorable things he did, and if he did just love Becky and hadn't got cross in his words, and then done all the horrible things that went on to to start the, this knock on effect, he would have been sat around that kitchen and would have been part of Catherine's fabulous warm fa- family, yeah. and that would have been his life, and he would have been in those photo albums. And I just thought it was the absolute as like I thought it was going to be in a field with a car burning in the background like out behind Nevison's and I'm like no this is a family drama where people drink tea and they sit down and they sort it out with words and I just thought the kitchen table in Catherine's house was the perfect place for him to sit and I thought the fact that he was going to burn himself to death in there in the same breath as telling us that he really loved Ryan you're going to traumatize your son like that and kill yourself in his home just shows that his view and understanding of love was just corrupt from day one and I just thought that was genius. And I think that really came across in that showdown between the two of them, that they it was both of their realities. Like when he was like, I forgive you, like he genuinely believed that, like he genuinely did forgive her because that's his version of events. And she obviously has hers as well, you know, and it was just really fascinating to watch his distorted view oh, yeah, of like he situation. is a narcissist. Yeah, like, I, I forgive more. you, like I forgive you for raping your daughter. Yeah. And beating the shit out of you and killing like yeah. I forgive you. It's but you but you can see it's it you empathize with Tommy, which is just such a testament to Sally's writing of this character because we shouldn't like Tommy. We shouldn't root for Tommy. When Tommy got out of that car with the three lads, I was like, Go on, Tommy. And like we shouldn't be like that. Yeah. Yeah, I did root from there. Yeah, fair point. It's, yeah, you I know, did. You do. Yeah. But like he really he really loved Ryan and he thought he wanted the best for Ryan and that Catherine wasn't giving it to him. And as soon as he saw his bedroom and realized what was the best for his son, 
he was like, I've made a mistake and I deserve to die. That is not excusing the disgusting things he's done. But also in his head, he loved Becky. And there probably was a consensual relationship there at some point that then turned when Catherine told Becky that she couldn't see him anymore or whatever his distorted view of things was. But yeah, he doesn't see the world the way we do, um, which yeah. would, I up, you know, feeling sorry for him. I didn't think that he did love him up until he saw the photo albums and the, the football medals and everything. I thought that it was just like, oh, like my creation yeah. sort of thing. And like he was just sort of obsessed with having his own flesh and blood in the world again in a really narcissistic way. And I never believed that he ever loved him um, until, yeah, the very end here when he was going around the house being like, oh, my God, actually, he's a really nice kid and has had a great life. But up until that point, I think he was just like, oh, yeah, I I own, I possess something yeah, in this world. Yeah, 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 you know, just deployed for something, some way for him to control Catherine from prison. And um, Nikki Doherty said, Ryan teaching Catherine about forgiveness towards Claire was wonderful. No gimmicks, just great script writing, which I thought was a really good point. I uh, Ryan is the reason why Catherine realizes that it was Claire that also was there the whole time. Um that was amazing. Reese Connor yeah, in that in this episode as well is fantastic. Seaside Nana wrote, it's now up to the team to convict Faisal and Rob. Catherine's job is done. It's an accurate picture of retirement. We leave our former job to others and we may never know what happens to them. Her grandmother role was far more important than her job. A superb ending. Which I thought that was a great point. Great point. Um, Jane, Brilliant point. Jane Watson yeah. said, absolutely brilliant. I knew as soon as Tommy entered Ryan's room that he would die by suicide. He realized everything Catherine had done for this boy was everything that he never had. And the dialogue in the kitchen was just superb on, on so many parallels to see to series one. Um, Sarah Kennedy says, Catherine initiating her emergency beeper, the noise we heard all through that terrible Kirsten episode in season one yeah. is still giving me chills. Yeah, all those subtle nods to season one were amazing. Like in the first ever scene, Catherine, when she introduces herself, is holding the fire extinguisher, trying to stop someone from setting himself on fire. And at the end, Tommy does it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's oh, it's so good, but it doesn't, it doesn't come across gimmicky. No, we're contrived like, at I all. I don't know no. how she did it. Yeah. It's it, it it it's so true. It doesn't it doesn't come across like that at all. Uh, Rosie Johnson says, "I reckon Ivan's fiance is thanking her lucky stars. I've never seen such a shiny suit or a more rank wallpaper." <laughs> The suit was so shiny. <laughs> they were making, and he was black and blue. I was like, "Don't you dare!" And the like the Dax or the Brill cream. It was like some sort of hair product that like people haven't used in very a very long, long time. time. Oh, the state of the two of them. Ben tweeted us in simply saying, "Where the feck was Moaning Myrtle?" That's true, Ben. Where was Moaning Myrtle? We don't know. But I was like, I was waiting for her to appear in this final. That was fake news. It was fake news. That was fake news. Jim says it could have done with an extra 20 minutes, but all wrapped up in the end. And um, lots of side stories seemed a bit pointless. Ricky Orr says possibly the best 68 mi minutes Watch of TV. Watch it again, Jim. I know, true. Um, Ricky says possibly the best 68 minutes of TV I've ever watched. No need for lots of bells and whistles. When people are talking, um, it can, when it's just well written, sorry, when people are just talking can be well Sorry, I really messed up that line. No need for lots of bells and whistles when people just talking can be that well written. There we go. Finally hearing Becky speak, Woo! even though it was only three well words and the villains just got their uh, just desserts while the goodies got their happy ending. Yeah, I was really glad that, that, that you know, the, the good 
prevailed, do you know, this episode. Um, Ted says it was the perfect and nuanced ending with still lots of um, moments of true everyday comedy, an awesome character study with no ridiculous gimmick- gimmicky twists. Also, Ryan will join the police. His face when he was, his face was so happy when um, Andy Shepard said the new recruit thing. That was really sweet to watch, wasn't it? It was so it adorable. Was so cute. And you know, um, we were missing Richard in it. Yes. But like, I genuinely think, because we were like last week, Richard went to meet Darius Knezovic and he left Ryan at home with Ross, who he knew was drinking and the murderer psychopath that's trying to kidnap Ryan's on the loose. But he went because he had his interview with the Guardian. And I honestly think like he was included in the idiots who are just not the idiot men who are just not getting their airtime in the final episode because it was so stupid that he went and did that for himself and it was like right that's Richard's end of the line for Richard's character I just thought that was so, so clever yeah that's actually a really clever way to look at it yeah I, I didn't I didn't think of it that, until you've said that now I didn't think of it yeah just these fucking idiots oh, don't I, deserve I like Richard yeah. he made a mistake because he wanted yeah. to do his Guardian article but I, I feel, he yeah I feel like Richard I was like so it. heavily involved in this series though that I yeah it, his is the only storyline that I do feel is a little unresolved the others I feel were maybe wrapped up a little too quickly I would like to have seen Faisal I would like to have seen Rob at the end um but Richards yeah they were they were still resolved didn't get to see them resolved Richards I'm just a bit like oh I just feel like he was featured so heavily throughout the series that I would have liked to have seen. I feel like Richard's ending is, not that it's irrelevant, but like Richard didn't get to meet Darius and write his article, but he'll write an article now that Darius has caught. So in my head, imaginary, I feel like Richard does write his Guardian article about how evil Darius Knezovic was and he just gets his like, you know, his his name in the paper. That's how I see it in my head. But like, they didn't tell us that. Me too. I just like to think that Richard has a front page. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good yeah, break. I just didn't, I, I don't know. I know it sounds really bad, but I actually, it was more Anne, I think I wanted to see to a degree, but and Faisal and Rob. But now I, I watch it again. I'm like, whatever. Do you know? See, I wanted to see Anne and then I watched it again. And then I saw the tweet that someone said, it's actually Anne that starts the dominoes for yeah. Tommy getting caught and eventually dying. That I'm like, that's a really powerful way to include her in that story while also making sure that Catherine is the one that got the final showdown yeah. without having too many yeah. cooks, you know. And in she mentions her too. She says Anne Gallagher in her in her dialogue. Yeah. And I and I was like, oh, that's the nod. Yeah, she does. I just And we know Anne's yeah, found love and has a has a beautiful house. And we know she wasn't in a great place at the end of episode five, but I like to see a happy future for her and Daniel Brendan's new friend. My new friend. Yeah, I just, I just, I wonder if like Anne Gallagher could have arrived outside the house with Claire. Yeah. Now I know Claire and Catherine needed that moment just alone at the end, but I, yeah, I wonder if Anne could have turned up with the police even on duty to arrive at that. Yeah, I just, just flash of it literally would have just taken one second uh, just to see In her. In the there. code That's zero that she happened to be there, but see, she's gone to see ID, so it wouldn't have made sense. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, good point. Well, we'll have to see now if we can wrap that up. We'll see who it might be talking to on next week's cast mm. special. I don't know, guys. Um, Catherine Lindsay says, I'm gutted that we didn't get to see Catherine driving in the foothills of the Himalayas, but other than that, it was amazing. Well, she's off to the Highlands instead, according to that text message. Um, the Danny brothers say, absolutely masterful. The only thing that I was hoping for was seeing the awesome Charlie Murphy getting some sort of final face-to-face with Tommy, but apart from that, it was so good. Uh, John Midgley says, disappointed by the 
the lack of double clutch action. <laughs> I mean, that's just us reading too much into things. Oh, I think always. it was a red herring. It was red herring. Mm, it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was put in there like yeah and then her fixing up the the land road when really well, yeah. yeah i think that was for us to be on it it was and really susan lynch's character allison's role in the finale was to nick faisal she's the reason why faisal was caught that just completely yeah. beginning and end together there that's the relevance of her being in the series which was yeah these strong women taking out these weak men also guys if i should just look a little further into my clarinetted catherine scarf theory it was actually that scarf that pulled out that uh, pill packet from underneath the couch it was <laughs> another strong woman involved so, in Claire, was Claire was involved Claire was involved in spirit <laughs> oh my god sorry ellie bond wrote it is important to remember that this is not a cop drama it is the story of a mother's grief and search for justice. She blamed Tommy for her daughter's death and all three series was their battle. The other stories weaved around this story, but none were as important as the core storyline, which is very true. Very good point. And Simon Whitaker says, meh, here's what I wanted. Here's an alternative ending for you guys, right? Um, Simon says, oh, oh yeah, Simon. Catherine Kaywood tracks Tommy to a field. Tommy looks at the sky, shouts, Tommy Lee, telephone home. Lights come down. It's the aliens. <laughs> They've come for beetroot guy. Obviously an alien doesn't speak much or know how to chop beetroot. Aliens then take Tommy Lee Royce and the next series is set <laughs> on Mars. <laughs> Telephone. You weren't expecting that. Now I'll just move on quickly to a few emails. I'd say uh, Sally Wayne writes rage and she didn't go with that <laughs> version. So oh, kicking herself. <laughs> wow, the fans really would have ate that up. Simon, I love you. I love that Simon's like nah, having a bit of I would have gotten I love that Simon's like, meh. I'm like screaming. Anyway, it's hilarious. Um, okay, emails now. Sophie and Chester. <laughs> the ending makes total sense. It brought the nature versus nurture argument to a close with both Tommy and Catherine realizing that Ryan is who he is because of how Catherine has raised him. Unexpected. Claire was actually right back in that cafe that Tommy getting an opportunity to connect with Ryan did actually change him. Great point. Claire was right. Yeah. To a degree. Claire was right. And Catherine admits that to her when she's sitting in the kitchen with her and she said, you know, I think he did just need to go and have a look at him for his own head. And Claire's just sort of, she, you can see it on her. She's like, oh my God, she's going to forgive me and we're going to get through this but, because she can see where I was coming from. But also the fact that Tommy changed because of his relationship with Ryan. The old Tommy would have burnt that house down and killed them all. But Tommy getting to know Ryan. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Mm. I was like, yeah. oh my God, you're so, that, that's, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while now. Claire bringing Ryan to Tommy, like, or yeah, is ultimately what possibly could have saved Catherine in that moment. And Anne telling Ryan is what saved Ryan from meeting his dad and going to Marbella. Do you know? Oh my God, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I do think as well, if Ryan hadn't have phoned Catherine oh. and woken her up, Tommy would have come upstairs and I just feel like it would have the dynamic would have instantly been so much more different you know he wouldn't have taken all the pills he wouldn't have drank all that whiskey and um, I just yeah I just feel like in the heat of the moment it could have just been a lot more aggressive and a lot more forceful if he had come up the stairs and she was asleep in the chair like I feel like it would have ended differently and I feel like he may have burned being, the house down with her in it I mean there's no way of knowing for sure in Ryan's but bedroom, I do feel like that phone call from Ryan like did say he needed her. to look around that house see the bedroom look at the photo yeah. albums that's what calmed him down the father who had mm. nothing and the son who had everything 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Olivia Nichols says, "How oh, do I absolutely love the finale. I only caught this on my second viewing. The thread text from Mike Taylor when he messages Catherine at the end to say Tommy Lee Royce is dead. The previous text is him asking when she's off to the Highlands and Catherine replies saying yeah. Saturday. So not quite the Himalayas, but love that Catherine is heading off on a well-deserved adventure. Um, Amy wrote, it's great to see that your fire theory came true somewhat. A little bit sad that we didn't get to see Faisal get arrested. Um, although, especially because he thought away, he thought he got away with this and he basically skipped to his car he did the man thought that he was like in the clear in that moment which I laughed at so much and um, Alex Lane says the but final- you know sorry but you know what I thought was so good in that moment is like if he had just fucking waited for those boys to get arrested he didn't have to do anything that he did nope nope they got arrested anyway yeah he they sh- didn't get arrested sure didn't. anything to do with him it was entirely separate Joanna never needed to die he never needed to do the horrible things he did no, he's shocked. What an absolute idiot. Idiot. Alex Lane says the final was everything that we needed and nothing that we expected. Although we didn't see Anne in the final episode, it's clear how important her speech was in episode five. It opened Ryan's eyes and it made Catherine better understand his intentions. But they really could have put Anne, uh, Anne somewhere together with Daniel and Richard. Just a family retirement dinner at the end. And it was the last ever episode. So would have loved to have seen the, the cast all together. That is the only flaw of the final. And um, yeah. Lizzie Pollitt says, guys, I don't know how I feel. I agree with your opinions on social about the acting and the showdown but the other stories were just so rushed and tied up in a blink and you'll miss them 20 seconds. I feel like it could have done with one more episode to see those out properly but I am here for the line of duty reference. It can't be an accident that Catherine Kaywood actually said line of duty out loud. My theory is that Sally is a massive Shrine fan and did that for you. Lizzie, we can hope and pray on that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like writing writing a line like that in would be a conscious thing for Sally Wainwright to do just because of how big Line of Duty is. Like you wouldn't write that line and not consider. No. She that. called the character so Vicky Fleming, into- like Vicky McClure, Kate Fleming. <laughs> like I think the woman might be a fan. <laughs> also, Lizzie Pollard is LP, LP. friend of the podcast. And LP, you need to watch the episode again. If anyone is listening that has any misgivings, just watch it again and see if you feel a little bit more satisfied because yeah. I think you will. Yeah, true. And I think when you're watching the first time that all happens as as Lizzie said in such a short snippet that if you even looked away for a moment you would have missed it so you would have been like what where's that storyline but when you watch it again you're like oh yeah all tied up brilliant brilliant great and you know those get wrapped you know when you're watching a show like that for the first time and it's so hyped and you don't know where it's going like you're you're just so stressed and you're thinking ahead and you're looking at the clock and like when you watch it again and you can just let it wash over you a little bit more you're like no Rob was on screen for ages the way they wrapped Faisal up actually was really clever and caused that that caused that like it just kind of makes a little bit more sense when you're more relaxed I think yeah it totally does uh, Lee says I'm good that it's over but what a ride I think they nailed the landing I'm glad it wasn't uh, glad it wasn't some over the top Hollywood explosive ending and I loved how Alison's role unfolded in then uh, being led to Faisal the only thing I found myself questioning was surely they would have had surveillance on Catherine's house with Tommy at large but then we wouldn't have got that incredible kitchen scene it's true though guys like I was like hang on a second and where the police but there is a really quick shot when Tommy's hiding behind the car that he drives outside Catherine's house that two police officers yeah. walk by and I think they've gone on their lunch yeah and he does fall backwards because he tries to hide from them but his gammy foot is obviously like yeah. killing yeah guys they yeah. disguised yeah, sure, how would they know who it was? Those glasses, they didn't glasses know. <laughs> um, Helen sent in an email about Poppy's coat, which I thought was really uh, important to mention. Um, she says, I'm a teacher for kids with 
developmental trauma, sorry, developmental trauma, children who've experienced some sort of trauma which is unresolved and affects their development, including witnessing domestic violence, addiction in the family, abuse, bereavement, etc. It's very common for kids with this to express a lack of security in outward ways and not taking a coat off is not uncommon. It's a small reassurance and it's almost like a weighted blanket for them. So I thought that was a really um, important point. Um, Poppy's coat could have just been how she didn't feel in any way secure after. Yeah, exactly. A safety blanket. Um, Joe Thompson says, rarely do shows ever stick the landing, but mother of God, that finale was perfect. It was the perfect send off to one of the best shows I've ever seen. Now all we need is for Line of Duty to come back for even a mini series to create an ending that feels like it is fully (laughs) the build up that we feel each season. I believe they can and I believe that they will. P.S., Pick another show to do quickly as we, the audience, aren't without. You all amuse us very much. Thank you, Joe. And our final thought is from Joe Gunn, who has emailed in a haiku in memory of Tommy Lee Royce. Oh, my God. Joe writes. Emailed in a what? It's a type of poem. Did you do haikus in school? It's a little poem. No. Little poem. So Joe's little poem goes. So, as it turns out, revenge is a dish best served pretty fucking hot. So that's the end yes. of the series. Um, big thank you to everybody who sent them in <laughs> to at Shrine Pod on social and on email over the last six weeks. We appreciate them so much. They are so amusing and they truly make this podcast. They really do. A couple of interesting um, press bits. So Sally Wainwright was talking to BBC Newsnight after the finale aired. And she said that the final episode and the ending was what she wanted it to be. She also revealed that Sarah Lancashire wasn't happy with the first draft of the ending and actually went around to Sally's house for the whole day to give her notes and rework a new ending with her, which I thought was fascinating. Um, she also... Yeah, two Christmases ago, she said. Yeah, I'd say they were pushed back with COVID, do you reckon? Two, two Christmases ago. Yeah, um, Sarah Lancashire called around and was like, no, this is this is how I feel it should end. That's how long... I love yeah. the idea of Sarah Lancashire kicking the door down on Christmas Day to come in and rewrite <laughs> that draft. Like, I'll uh, do. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, she also said, Sally Wainwright also said, this is definitely it, that it's good to know when to stop and we're not getting any spin-offs. I'm okay with that because it was perfect. Um, James, yeah, same. yeah, James Norton appeared on the News Agents podcast during the week, and he revealed that they made an exact replica of Catherine's kitchen to burn it down, down to like the the markings on the on the table, everything perfectly replicated, so that the stunt man could come in and actually set himself on fire, which is what happened. So that's a very interesting interview about that final scene and then Scott Bryan friend of the podcast he revealed that the final episode was watched live by 7.52 million people the highest overnight figure of the year so far that will be one to beat with more than 11 people watching 11 million 11 people 11 million (laughs) people watching the first episode including on the catch-up player and that figure is expected to rise across the next 30 days so just a massive smash hit for the BBC wow it was so amazing guys we're going to miss we're going to miss Catherine Kaywood and all all of the characters so much Um, you know Queen Lancashire on Twitter amazing account to follow if you love Sarah Lancashire they put up a gorgeous tribute to Catherine Kaywood will I read it out 
I think that would be very fitting. Please. Thank you for beating up scrotes, for raising your grandson, for helping your sister stay on the wagon, for loving your daughter, for loving your son, for protecting those you love. Thank you for using tea as a healer, for firing your taser in the family jewels, for buying those sunglasses, for attending an Abbott tribute, for using words like wankatron. Thank you for standing up to men, for screaming when you're mad, for crying when you're sad, for crying when you're happy and for saying how you feel. Thank you for being flawed and for being a representation of a powerful, no-nonsense, boss-ass woman who feels anger and feels pain. Thank you for making me feel safe for nearly 10 years. We love you and we will miss you. Oh, that's oh, beautiful. Ex- excellent. Yeah, I'm really going to miss, you know, having a Sunday dose of the combination of Sally Wainwright's really realistic writing played out by Sarah Lancashire's really realistic acting. And I think I'm going to go off. I did. I watched season one of the last Tango and Halifax like ages ago, but I think I'm going to go off and finish that now so that I have that combo again with uh, bonus added Nicola Walker. Like, I think that's the only thing that might get me through. I've never watched it, so I'm definitely going back to watch that. Guys, before we wrap up, any last thoughts, musings, notions? on Happy Valley before we say goodbye it's so sad we've never done this before I think it's a sign no, it's just been so good like it's no I think it's a sign that we have nothing really left to say after going through the finale of how good it was that we all feel satisfied that what Fergus told us last week was so true we're sad that it's over but we are truly satisfied with the with the ending it was a triumph it's just a It was a triumph and I feel like we're saying goodbye to a real family that had a real story and I feel like we know that they're going to be okay and you can't ask for anything more than that but my god I'm going to miss them all so much. All right, guys. Well, I think that is it for our last Happy Valley recap. As I said, this is the first time when we as Shrine have covered a show that has come to a definitive conclusion And we truly couldn't have asked for a more beautiful, fitting, poignant and satisfying ending as the one delivered to us on Sunday night. What an incredible story performed by an incredible cast. And we want to thank each and every single one of you for coming along on this ride with us. And I think I speak for all of us when I say that we adore making this podcast. It is one of our greatest joys. We have had the most memorable and exciting experiences together as a result of this. I mean, being in the BBC on Sunday being a question on tipping point in this season alone and that is all because of you the people who listen to our utter irreverence but wait pets no need to try and compete with a Sarah Lancashire surely BAFTA award-winning single tier because we will be back next Wednesday we can exclusively reveal as I'm sure you're all waiting with bated breath that we are doing a cast interview guys are we going to say who we're interviewing yet well we haven't actually done the interviews yet should we reveal or no in case they don't happen no we'll just tease you and we'll say that we're chatting to some of the cast members what do you think I think we alluded to one earlier on yeah. Uh, yeah. We're chatting to... M- I mean, if if you're a good enough detective, you'll have figured it out. Isn't that yeah, right? we're talking to two men and a, wi- and a woman. So we'll just leave that with you. Two Egypts and an incredible woman. And that is happening next Wednesday at 6am. If you are a Patreon subscriber, if you're a Catherine patron, 
that will be out on Tuesday. And we have lots more shows that we plan to cover on the horizon. We are looking forward to Vigil 2, Trigger Point 2, Line of Duty. If Brendan's plea on BBC Breakfast has anything to say about it and possibly one or two more surprises. So do let us know what you're watching on socials. We're at Shrine Pod. We're always here for a thought, a theory, a musing. You can email us shrinepod at gmail.com. You can send in an application form on the website shrinepodcast.com and you can check out our Patreon forward slash shrinepod. So look, it's not a long goodbye. We're back next Wednesday, guys. Me being all dramatic over here. We'll say a proper charade then. And if you have any (laughs) shows that you know that are coming up that you think we'll be interested in that you want us to talk about, let us know. Yeah, tweet us, email us at ShrinePod, ShrinePod at gmail.com. We'd love to know what you're excited about watching in 2023 and what we might want to podcast okay, about. Then, so we'll until telephone home. Time to telephone home, guys. <laughs> she won, obviously. This is TV worth talking about. This is Shrine Podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.